That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, we're going to go boating with Jesus today, but before we get to that, this 10th Sunday after uh, Pentecost, uh, Jake, how are you? I'm well, and so uh, let me ask, uh, so you're in Texas, and you guys get out like crazy early in May. Are you guys about to start your, like, kickoff Sunday? We're about one month out from ours. Oh, yeah, so we do ours, um, uh, like, I think, yeah, August 27th is going to be ours this year. Looking over over my my calendar. Yeah, Sunday, August 27th is, like, our big kickoff Sunday. And then we kind of go a little dormant on, uh, not super dormant, but a little dormant on Labor Day weekend. And then we kind of come back full force on uh, on that following Sunday, the, the 10th yeah. of September. Well, yeah. we are in New York in the thick of it, the dog days of summer. And so, uh, you know, this is the season where uh, you can you can preach a long sermon uh, but no one will be listening. So, well, uh, so what's interesting in Waco, because we get this big uh, Baptist university, a lot of faculty moved to town in July, and mm. uh, they, you they know, start looking for Episcopal churches. They start looking for a church. <laughs> One thing about being a large Christian university, um, they, you know, they need to show some involvement in a faith community. And, you know, even if you're putting in a tenure packet, this is not true in many places in the academy, but they do want to see church involvement at Baylor. And so, yeah, people find a church and a lot of people come. So summer actually ends up being fairly busy for us. Uh, it gets mm. quiet in June, but July it starts picking up and then August it really fires up because I think That's great. students arrive August. The first Sunday that Baylor students, grad students are in town is August 20th. So, Wow. So well, here time. we are. And so we're on the eve of your kickoff. Like, and boring. Uh, Nobody cares. Yeah. Moving on. Not even a good segue. <laughs> But you're right, so, it's a little bit, anyways. Yes. But so, uh, so we have a I, first, At the top, by the um, way, I said it's the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. I was wrong. Yeah. I repent. It is the, is it? This is for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Mm. Proper 14 for Sunday, August. Uh, um, what is it? <laughs> Just lost it in my brain. August 13th. Yeah, absolutely. So in their great readings, we have First Corinthians, uh, First Kings, excuse me, chapter 9, verses 9 excused. through 18. And uh, like we talked about last week, we, uh, where we saw Moses this week, we see uh, Elijah and um, another pillar of the faith, a little depressed. And then we have Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15, and then Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Yeah, so this First Kings thing, I think the important context here uh, is that Elijah is so dang human, and he has had this incredible Powerfully victory— human. Yeah, he said this incredible victory over the prophets of Baal, this idolatrous, murderous, bloodthirsty god um, whose worship um, required abuse and all kinds of awful things. And yeah, so, just for the fun of it, go back and read First Kings 18. 
Yeah, and you'll see, all, it's hilarious, but you'll see all these prophets of Baal um, come up short and up slaughtered, and Yahweh is proven victorious. It's this amazing thing. So it's a real ministry high point for Elijah. And um, and then right after that, Jezebel gets super ticked, um, the wife of the king, because she was a worshiper of Baal, and uh, basically Elijah is her nemesis. Mm. And... Um, and so she is now trying to kill him. So even though Elijah has seen miracles, he's been the conduit of the miracles. Uh, he is just down in the dumps. He's like, nobody loves me. Everybody <laughs> hates me. I'm going to go in this cave. And he's in Horeb, the Mount of Horeb, which is Sinai, where God gave the law, which we talked about last Sunday for transfiguration. So he's spending the night there, and God's word comes to him and says, what are you doing here? And of course, God knows. This is sort of a rhetor- not a rhetorical question. God knows the answer. It's kind of dramatic irony. Um, God knows the answer, but he's God is being pastoral to Elijah when he's down in the dumps. Like, what's going on, Elijah? And he's like, man, I've been working so hard for you, God. It's been great. And nobody listens to me. And they don't do what I say, and I'm just alone, and uh, it sucks. It's sort of like, uh, uh, Beck, I'm a loser, baby. And um, he's down in the dumps. And this is, so that context um, shows, again, just another picture. Like the disciples often in the New Testament, we think the Bible's full of heroes, but really it's just full of humans. And here is someone who had this great victory. And there's a lot of people who go through this. When things... When things are supposed to, when things are going well, at least on the surface, people think that your life is supposed to be great. But often there's this inner drama and turmoil. And here, here, Elijah feels like a total failure, uh, even though things maybe there have been some really important things that he could put on his resume. Mm. He feels like a fraud, and so God again doesn't rebuke him, doesn't yell at him or lecture, try to cheer up Elijah or anything. He says to go out and stand before, because the, the Lord's about to pass by. And then mm. God shows all these things, these different forms, and God's not in any of them. He's not on the fire, he's not on the wind, he's not on the, the earthquake. Uh, but he's in this, what it says, sound of sheer silence. Some translations, still small voice. And another translation could be in a very quiet, very soft whisper. Uh, God doesn't, you know, Elijah wants God to show up in big, powerful ways. And God sometimes works in very small ways. He works coming to this depressed man in the middle of the night. Um, but he also works in what he's about to do, which is what happens at the end of the passage, all these new kings he's supposed to anoint. Um, that's going to be the way that God's power gets worked out in in Israel, um, not by like smiting all the bad people with meteorites or something, but by just a total change of leadership. Um, and uh, there's still these 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal. So that's kind of this whisper, this way God works. And so often in life when we're depressed, God will work through something. You know, we want some miraculous thing. And sometimes it is that, but sometimes it's a it's a very soft whisper. Not a careless whisper. That's a George Michael song, one I don't particularly care for. But yeah. uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, oftentimes we think that... Um, uh, yeah, when God does uh, big things like he did in the previous chapter, chapter 18, uh, that, you know, everything should should carry us through. But it's it's interesting, this particular passage opens up like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, God asks him, what are you doing here? And this is because he's in a cave on Mount Horeb, but he's supposed to be on top of Mount Horeb as like a demonstration of uh, God's victory over Baal. <laughs> there he is, and he's hiding. 
And um, I think, you know, if you want to hear a wonderful, wonderful piece of music, I encourage you to download Felix Mendelssohn's Elijah. And uh, uh, especially the prophet of Baal scene is powerful, powerful. The, the choir. Is, is he a the, new EDM star? Yeah, that's right. No, Felix Mendelssohn of the, uh, you know, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of uh, you know, the, the missing member of Tears for Fears. No, he was uh, in the uh, 19th century uh, composer, German composer. And so uh, anyway, he wrote this piece called Elijah. But he was brilliant, famous, huge career, uh, trained with all sorts of uh, wonderful people, performed with all sorts of wonderful people. And, uh, and you'd think that his life was, was wonderful. And uh, people in his time actually wrote that didn't really know him, talked about what a cool and calm demeanor he had. But if you uh, read the uh, memoirs of his, uh, of his uh, like family that wrote about him, they would say that he was a nervous and anxious mess uh, filled with a lot of anxiety. And, um, uh, and uh, it just goes to show, you know, when he wrote, uh, he wrote uh, Elijah to get in touch with his Jewish roots, and then St. Paul to, uh, to uh, encourage his Christian roots. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that it's just a perfect, Mendelssohn is a perfect example of what's going on here. You know, mm -hmm. the great and the mighty doesn't necessarily satisfy the human soul. Uh, you know, even when God's in the midst of it, uh, what uh, satisfies the human soul is that still voice that comes uh, in those moments of clarity uh, that do not come from ourselves. that remind us that God is with us and that we're not alone. And this manifests itself that he's not alone in the fact that there are 7,000 who have not bent the knee, knee to bail. And just think about your own ministry. You know, sometimes it can be a very lonesome road. And then you run into a clergyman who's just kind of had this, you know, it's one funny when clergy get together and it's a genuine gathering of clergy, you know, where they're not all competing and how many people do you have coming on Sunday? And they start sharing like clergy stories and you realize, oh man, in the midst of this craziness, I'm not alone either. And uh, this is the still voice that comes from colleagues that have been in like uh, the crazy world that we've been in. And it can be very comforting and soothing. But this is the point is that uh, that um, the big things don't necessarily calm the heart. Neither do the little things. But that still voice that comes to us when we should be on the mountaintop but are hiding in the cave and that remind us that we're not alone uh, because uh, God never leaves us without witnesses, even his prophets. Yeah, and you know, even his prophets are again to quote Buddy the Elf, cotton-headed ninny muggins is because here we begin with Elijah in this funk. I am alone left and they're seeking my life. And then God mercifully and graciously and pastorally comes and appears before Elijah and shows him his presence yeah. in that soft whisper. This is this is a terrifying cry. I mean, what the hell, God? You just uh, yeah. dropped fire from the sky on a pile of pile of wood. Why didn't you drop that on um, on right. Jezebel? He's you know feeling I mean? yeah. He's feeling angry at God and dejected personally, and now he's kind of paying the price. And, um, and God shows up in this powerful way, and Elijah knows he's there. Wraps his face in his mantle, and it's it's unclear. Like, is that an act of piety? Like I'm not worthy to see, or is it a little bit like I don't I don't want to see you? Like uh, it's it's but what's amazing? God again asks the same question: What are you doing here, Elijah? And you would think there might be a different answer at this point. It's almost the question is not like what do you, it's kind of like how how are you? Um, and um, 
Elijah doesn't say, Lord, now I see that you are in the soft whisper and not the big crashing things and you can work all ways and I trust in you to work with the people of Israel or whatever. He doesn't change. He still doesn't get it. And he, he says the exact same thing that he said at the beginning. He He's like, uh, I don't know, if, if you tell your children, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, like you got to run the dishwasher after you load it. It doesn't turn itself automatically. Like, it's like, there's no change here. And then God, again, just God, as we say in the prayer book, his property is always to have mercy. So here he says, look, I'm going to show you what the soft whisper, the, the small yeah. voice means. I no. e- Even though you want to see breaking rocks and fire falling from the sky and crushing these people like it is. I'm going to show you how I work through a political process where you know these people. Yeah. So, and Elijah is shown in all of it as just, you know, not a giant of the faith, kind of a, that's right. Kind of a failure. And yet God works through him. And so there's yeah, mercy in that to your congregation and for yourself minister the gospel. And here's where the mercy ultimately manifests itself is that what God says to Elijah. He says, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, not to the big cities, any of that, but to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, as the prophet in your place. And, uh, and what is happening here is that um, God is, um, so while the world thinks it's in control, God is ultimately in control in this quiet voice and is sending Elijah, saying, hey, Elijah, I haven't left you also. I'm going to uh, manifest this in anointing my kings. And uh, this ultimately manifests itself in, in God choosing uh, a king, his son, Jesus, uh, to ultimately make sure that um, in the quiet and the calm, uh, you and I are not left alone and we shall be saved as well. And it is so good that God is a merciful God because you are wearing a Yankees hat and, mm-hmm. uh, and yet God even forgives that. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to Matthew chapter 14, verses 23 through 33. You mean Romans 10? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was so excited about the gospel. Sorry. Sorry, St. Paul. Skip to Romans. Yeah, so this is uh, St. Paul in the middle of his letter to the Romans talking about the law of God and um, the, these you know famous verses, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and this kind of thing. If somebody ever tried to share the gospel with you on, on the beach or on an airplane or something, they probably told you this verse, uh, that if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It also Amen. has that famous thing on the end, uh um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So just about preaching the gospel, sharing this word. Um, how would you preach this, Jake? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> no. Uh, so I think the the big thing here is, is that Paul opens up with this like very it's a very rabbinic question. You know, um, uh, uh, he opens up by like the question was, who will ascend to heaven and who will descend into the abyss? And uh, Paul is basically saying that uh, this is a uh, is a this is operating under the old paradigm uh, because uh, the law demands perfection. Uh, it's not who you know who tries, but the law demands perfection. And so this word that is near you in your mouth and in your heart, this word that is near you, this just isn't any old word. This is Christ Himself. So who will ascend into heaven is to say, how can I climb the ladder by my own doing and bring God down to me? 
or, uh, you know, I must tap into the deepest depths of hell and save Christ. You know, I've got to really earn it. And what Paul is saying here is that Christ doesn't need you to ascend anywhere because he's come down and he doesn't need you to go to the dead because he's risen. You can't go high enough or you can't go low enough to be saved because Christ has done it for you. Believe that Jesus has done absolutely everything and you will be saved. And this goes to what he's been talking about the whole time in the previous nine chapters. The righteousness of faith, uh, the righteousness of those who believe who Jesus said he was. And uh, this is for absolutely everybody, not just the pious Jew or the impious Gentile, but everybody is saved the same exact way. And so uh, this is what he's really getting at, is that the word is near you. And uh, how do we know that the word is near you? Well, this is why we have the same old song, because (laughs) God sends preachers. That's right. uh, You know, and uh, not just ordained ministers, but, you know, all who believe and confess the gospel deliver this message. And so faith comes by hearing and heralding the forgiveness of sins. And then he powerfully right here quotes scripture to show it full circle. Um, of course, you know, uh, and that God, if you read on, that God has always been faithful to Israel. He's always been sincere to Israel. However, Israel suffers from the same problem as the whole world. It's disobedient and uh, does not hear on its own. And so this is why we need this word to fall deep into our hearts like the seeds on good soil. And it always bears fruit. God will have his way. Yeah, I think uh, how beautiful is the podcast that brings good news. And I think it's so, it is so, um, it's just so beautiful. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so many times people want to make the list of things a lot longer than that. Everybody who calls in the name of the Lord and attends church weekly and does whatever and recycles and reduces your carbon footprint, like, or whatever things, whether it's secular or religious, things we add to the list to be a good person. Um, and here it's just basically all you need to do is say, help, have mercy on me, a sinner, Save Lord Jesus me. Christ. Yeah. yeah. And which is what we see happen in Matthew 14, where Amen. Jesus Come on. is on a boat and he is, well, he first, he goes, he prays up in the mountain by himself and the disciples are in a boat and they're ahead of him. And he comes walking to them on the sea early in the morning It's dawn. Um, and, uh, there's a big, there's a big storm. It says battered by waves. The wind was against them. So whether, not a storm, but like, you know, really choppy seas. So if you imagine Jesus walking on this, you don't picture Rick Okasik, the lead singer of the cars in the video for it's magic <laughs> where he's walking across the swimming pool and everybody got offended when that video came out. It's not walking across the swimming pool. It's walking across like lake huron when there's like a lot of wind it's like choppy and all that so jesus is like stepping over like it'd be like imagine you're walking across a field of boulders you have to step over boulders it's kind of like that and it's amazing i love this because this is the description of human life Um, a strong wind for the wind was against them and uh, that you have a wind against you as well i don't know what it is maybe it's you know a family member maybe it's a particular situation but each and every one of us are in a boat called life and it's hard and there is a wind against us and uh, the powerful thing is is that jesus is going to walk out on sea to save you as well yeah and they they don't pray for help um no, they were terrified. They're they terrified when they think he's yeah, they think he's a ghost. They're afraid. 
Um, and Jesus says what he always says, which is, it's yeah, me. He doesn't don't like, get afraid. it together. Don't you, yep. don't you, didn't you believe in me? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Where's your WWJD bracelet? No. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And that's what he says to you when the winds are pounding against your life as well. Yep. And then Peter, always the one to uh, um, sort of, he was the ready uh, fire aim kind of guy. He would, he would ask, he would just speak first before thinking. And he says, if it's you command me to like who else would it be but if it's you command me to come to you on the water and jesus says sure come on come on and so peter gets out of the boat comes towards jesus then he notices the wind he becomes frightened and he starts to sink and he says lord save me and jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him up immediately um which is just fantastic uh um because uh it's to me this is such a picture of faith like you know, even when we try really hard and Jesus is standing right in front of us on the water, like he's right there. And you've already seen him do all these miracles. Even so, our, fra- our faith is so frail. We're so fragile. We can still doubt and fall into this. And, um, you know, if the Lord was one who had, quote unquote, good boundaries and practiced, quote unquote, tough love, he'd be like, sorry, Peter. You know, you got to have faith on your own. Um, I know. I'm that whole right idea here. of God having tough love, that is you the gotta most ridiculous you got to name and claim stuff. it, Peter. Um, but no, Jesus reach out, reaches out his hand and, and catches him. This isn't Peter and, catching Jesus. This is Jesus catching Peter. And it's that whole thing of like, we American Christians tend to make Christianity about what we do to grab hold of Jesus. And really, this picture shows what it really is. We sink and Jesus grabs us. And, that's, and that is exactly what the, the, the emphasis here isn't the three steps and hey, what you know, if we just do what we want, you know, we can we can walk on water too or, you know. Although I bet you when Peter got on the shore with the other disciples, I bet you he looked at them all and he was completely wet and they were probably snickering and he probably said, yeah. you know, three steps. Yeah. I mean, other than Jesus, Peter's the only other person uh, in the history of uh, the world to defy physics this yeah. way and walk on water. But that is the point, is that, uh, is that when he is sinking and uh, he cries out, Lord, save me. And uh, Jesus reaches out his hand and saves him. And when I read this particular text and listen to the like voice of Jesus in my head, not through the lens of the law, but through the lens of the gospel, I don't hear, you little faith, why did you doubt? I hear like that kind of like, hey, man, you little, like, why'd you doubt? I'm right here, you know? Like, yeah. it's a gentle voice. And uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, when I was a... Uh, a little kid, and I think we can all relate to this analogy. And uh, if you, I was learning how to ride a bike, and uh, my grandfather had gotten me this bike, and it was slightly a little bit too big, you know. But we were doing the thing where he would start with his hand on one handlebar and the hand on the back of the seat, and we'd pedal and like cruise around, and you get going a little faster, and then before you knew it, he's just on the like had his hand on the back of my seat, you know what I mean? And then he let go, and all of a sudden I was biking down the road. And of course, this was before knee pads and helmets, and we actually cared about children. But uh, I like looked back, and I realized he was like down the way, you know. And all of a sudden, I, I'm riding a bike, and I started to wobble, and boom, crash. Yeah. And it was like immediate. My grandfather didn't come in. He was like, you know, you little dummy, what'd you do? You run your bike. No, he was like, hey man, you were doing awesome. Yeah. You know, why'd you why'd you look backwards? Like it wasn't. It's not a condemning thing. It's a word of love. Yeah. And uh, and this is the thing. And, you know, and remember, this just isn't kind of choppy water. Uh, the description here in Greek by Matthew's gospel, they're they're in, in the midst of a demonic force. The sea is always something crazy. 
And uh, there was always an expectation in the Jewish tradition that the Messiah would march upon the head of the Leviathan. And here you have him trotting out onto the sea and calling us not to be afraid as well with the sea's life because he's trampled the head of the Leviathan for you as well in his death and resurrection. And so like the disciples in the boat, we too can worship him as saying that he truly is the Son of God. Yeah, and that is so beautiful that you say that, Jake, because that makes the emphasis of this passage on who Jesus is and what he does, not what we do. And let me tell you, preachers, there might be someone on this podcast, a new listener perhaps, who would think, or who is maybe you've heard this sermon from the uh, from verse 30, where it says, Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sing, cry out, Lord, save me. And preachers will use this verse to say, the point of this message is to keep your eyes on Jesus so you don't Ugh. sink like Peter, which makes this passage law makes yeah, it those, demand. Those, those, are, those are feet with bunions. Yeah, I love it. yeah, those are not beautiful feet. Those are feet with bunions, uh, like a big old nasty yellow toenail. And uh, that's not the gospel. No. The point of this passage is not keep your eyes on Jesus so you don't sink. The point of this passage is we all sink. And when you do, Jesus is there to save you. This Amen. passage is about Come Jesus. On. It's not about steps to self-improvement. So, don't make this law. Keep it gospel. Make sure your feet are beautiful, like the little foot of like, you know, of you know, Sleeping Beauty, where they put her foot in. No, Cinderella, like into the glass yeah. slipper, like that little beautiful foot in the glass slipper. That's what you want to see, um, not Shrek's toes. Okay, well, that'll do it for this uh, this um, yeah. August thirteenth. Uh, Sunday, the eleventh Sunday after Pentecost, and we'll see you again next week. Yeah, and remember, give them the goods, everybody. Go get a pedicure before you preach. Amen. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.